Join the Wall Street Journal's Tech Live Cybersecurity on June 6, 2024, in New York City, to be at the forefront of shaping the future of cybersecurity and creating a more secure digital landscape. Use the discount code PODCAST to receive $200 off your registration fee. Visit wsj.com slash techcyberpodcast to learn more. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Money Beat's look at the week ahead. As the uh, well-done introduction told you already, uh, Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser here in the studio in New York City. Yes, we are. Yes, we are, as always. And uh, joined for this look at the week ahead. We have on the phone Ben Lubsdorf, Wall Street Journal economics reporter from Washington, D.C. Ben, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys? We're doing all right. And our our special guest, not that Ben isn't special, but, you know, Ben. Oh, I, I, see, where, I see where my place is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Ben, you're one of us, you know. So you're less Don't special. worry, Ben. It's above me in Paul's book. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, well, at least I've, I've got that. <laughs> he, he, he's right about that. Uh, joining us, Beth Ann Bovino, who is senior economist at Standard & Poor's. Beth Ann, how are you? Uh, great to be, uh, great to be here, and feeling very, very special. You are special, and that's why we're having you back. We're glad to talk to you again. Uh, so, you know, what, what I think is interesting. One thing I, I really want to get both of your takes on. I know this is the week ahead, but I have to ask this. Uh, on Friday, we had that retail sales report, and, and I thought it did not look particularly strong. Uh, what is the state of the economy right now? Where do things stand? It was a little bit of a it was a soft reading, but remember it came after a pretty nice reading the month before. Um, the worry, though, in terms of the overall state of the economy, is that wages aren't really picking up. People are getting jobs, but wages aren't picking up, so that means not a lot money, not a lot of money to spend at the mall. So we are still expecting a rather slow kind of lumbering along at the two percent rate for growth going into next year. No, it seems like, and this is true of the retail sales, but it seems like overall, every time we get a lot of data, it looks so strong. It's like gaining some momentum, and then we have a pullback in the, in the sort of numbers. And that seems like the sort of place we've been stuck for right. several, I guess, years now. I, I can add one more um, surprise is that uh, housing, um, oh, you know, usually you'd expect to see the, the spring, summer housing market to be rather strong. Um, it has been rather, rather lackluster, and let's hmm. see if it picks up, but that was certainly a worry as well. So, I mean, I guess that's a segue. I mean, we can cut to that before we get into more of the, uh, the Fed meeting. But Ben and, and Beth, if you could sort of, uh, I guess we'll kick it off with Ben. Just talk about, we're going to get some housing data. Existing home sales uh, is the biggie next week. Uh, that's right. We have existing home sales on Wednesday. Uh, we have housing starts and permits coming up on Tuesday. And, you know, one one question mark hanging over this and also hanging over the day we saw on Friday is, at what point does all of this get scrambled by the hurricanes? Uh, we already saw that with the industrial production data that Hurricane Harvey caused, helped contributed to this very sharp decline in August industrial production. Uh, either in August or September, we'll presumably see some sort of effect on the housing market uh, from Hurricane Harvey uh, in those affected states and Hurricane Irma. Uh, but, you know, looking at the starts and permits data on Tuesday, economists that we surveyed expect that there's going to be uh, a modest increase in both of those measures. Uh, existing home sales on Wednesday, economists are also looking at a uh, for a, mo- I would say, modest increase, uh, keeping those numbers sort of bumping along where they've been. 
we've sort of held off from the the big, uh, you know, can sort of push, event of next week. We can't push it back any further. No, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to, to, to. You love to hold I'm off. Trying on to these build things. up some drama here. But we have to talk about the Fed uh, and the in the Fed uh, meeting this week. It's actually, I think, one of the mo- of the recent Fed meetings. One of the ones that might have, the, you know, draw a lot of interest. Uh, what are we expecting from the Fed this week? Well, I'm, uh, what I'm expecting is the uh, Fed's going to move along as they've kind of made clear uh, that uh, with the, making the announcement for balance sheet normalization. Uh, they've talked about Hurricane Harvey. They've ta- you know, obviously recognized the devastation and, you know, and certainly uh, the pain that's felt there. But they've also said something that we agree with is that the, you know, the, there's going to be a hit to the third quarter because of both Har- Harvey and now Irma uh, in terms of economic activity. And we've already talked so we're already seeing the signs of that in the industrial production. But um, what you can also expect to see is the rebuilding effect. Unfortunately, it's for the wrong reasons. We'd like to rebuild on what we've gained, not on what we lost, but we can expect to see a nice rebuild uh, in economic activity uh, once that starts to go into place. So we think the Fed's going to move on making the balance sheet announcements uh, in terms of normalization. We think they're going to take a very slow pace. They've kind of given us the roadmap already with uh, what they've um, kind of uh, framed out for us. So I, I don't think it's going to be a big surprise for markets. Hey, hey, Ben, break that down a little bit for us further. When when Bethany says uh, balance sheet normalization, uh, for people who might not be familiar with that, what, what exactly are we talking about there? Uh, well, as you know, the Fed bought a lot of bonds, bought a lot of assets right. over the last few years uh, going back to the crisis. And it stopped buying this stuff. It stopped adding to its collection. It's been reinvesting stuff as it's matured to keep the uh, total more or less steady around $4.5 trillion. Now the Fed is getting preparing to, as Beth Ann said, normalize, get that balance sheet back down to, if not the size it was before the crisis, at least smaller than it is now. So they laid out this quite detailed and quite complicated plan to uh, allow this stuff to run off the balance sheet, uh, not involving asset sales. And uh, as, as you said, the the expectation is that that's going to happen on Wednesday, uh, and the Fed hasn't really given any signal that it's reconsidering that um, in light of either the soft inflation data we had been seeing or because of the hurricanes. Uh, the other question for me at least, hanging over this meeting is, uh, what will happen to the dot plot? Uh, the dot plot in June, this is the dot plot you of their explain expectations. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to explain uh, what that is. Fed, Fed, Fed officials predict what, where they think their benchmark federal funds rate is going to be at the end of each year, and they it's a series of dots, so they call it the dot plot, or we call it that. Right. And the dot plot in June had suggested that they were going to raise rates one more time this year. And everyone sort of penciled in, oh, they'll do the balance sheet in September, and they'll do another rate hike in uh, December. Now, a lot of people don't seem quite so sure about that because of the inflation readings we're seeing. Now we're going to have everything scrambled by the hurricanes. So I'll, I'll be watching that very closely to see how many people are still on track to raise rates one more time this year. Uh, or is there a big shift towards uh, staying on hold until 2018? I have to say, I think the, the dot plot sounds like something that one's kid brings home from school. <laughs> Put it up on the refrigerator. Yeah, I, I was going to add to that. Um, so what we expect, and this is something that we expected before uh, the disasters of uh, Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma, was that uh, we thought the Fed was going to not move on another rate hike this year. Although, as mm. Ben had mentioned, the dot plot had earlier suggested 
that third hike would happen. And the reason why is because the Fed is seeing slower inflation. Um, they have two mandates. One is job creation and the other one is stable prices. And when inflation or um, prices start to get a little softer, that spooks them a bit. So we think they're going to wait uh, this year wow. and not wait, you know, not raise rates again right, until right. next year. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, more with the week ahead. We are talking to Beth Ann Bovino from S&P, Ben Lubsdorf from The Wall Street Journal. You are listening to Money Beat from The Wall Street Journal. Join The Wall Street Journal in New York City on June 6, 2024, for the inaugural Tech Live Cybersecurity to network and hear from leading cybersecurity experts across a variety of sectors on how to combat cybersecurity threats, mitigate crippling attacks, and safeguard privacy on the individual and organizational level. Use the discount code PODCAST to receive $200 off your registration fee. Visit wsj.com slash techcyberpodcast to learn more. For more insights, enable the Wall Street Journal skill on any device with Amazon Alexa. Get all of our podcasts, as well as the latest news and market updates. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome back to Money Beats. Look at the week ahead. Paul and Stephen here in the studio in New York City talking to Beth Ann Bovino from Standard & Poor's and Ben Lubsdorf, Wall Street Journal's economic reporter in D.C., I want to just sort of dive into, because we've brought this up a couple of times in the inflation data. What I found interesting is I think, you know, two weeks ago, everyone was focused on the lack of inflation. And I think investors were growing concerned, if you look at Fed fund futures, that that might cause the Fed to hold off. Last week, you had CPI, you had PPI looking stronger. Um, your comments from the BOE, people got a little bit, felt like they were getting a little bit more confident about the direction of inflation, and you saw Fed fund futures come you know, back to 50-50 on an, another uh, rate hike this year. Can you guys give me a, sort of a sense of your view on where inflation stands right now and you know, what that means for the Fed? I think that, indeed, the most recent uh, inflation figures uh, showed a little bit more heat, I guess you could say, on prices. And, um, and um, that's actually as much as we hate to pay it when we go to the store. Uh, that's something that the Fed would be happy to see. Um, we did see, uh, but I would say that even though we did see a pickup in, for example, CPI uh, prices and also personal uh, personal consumption expenditures deep later, uh, say that all once and uh, say three times once and it's not so easy, but the um, we did see a pickup. What the Fed would like to see as it getting going in the getting closer to two percent year over year, and we're not quite there yet. Uh, I think they'd like to see that get a little stronger before they raise rates. And again, if they move on the balance sheet normalization process, they'd like to give that a little might like to give that a little room as well because that's uncharted territory. Hard to see what the impact will be from that. You, you know that that actually brings up a question I've I've had, Beth Ann. The Fed, so look, the, the crisis was 2008. I mean, they've spent years building that balance sheet up. They're not the only central bank to do it either, by the way. So for years, they were in this ultra-accommodative, ultra-stimulative stance, buying trillions of dollars worth of bonds. Now they want to, and they're calling it normalization, they want to normalize the balance sheet. I mean, if they are putting the car in reverse, so to speak, wouldn't that... If what they were doing for years was was stimulating the market, 
even if they move as slow as possible, isn't the reversal of that policy, sh- shouldn't that have a dampening effect on the market? And, and why wouldn't it? It the I would say that the the reversal, I guess you could say, of of uh, quantitative easing, what mm-hmm. the impact would be, would be uh, what they're hoping to see is that you'd expect to see some of that money that's been sloshing around being pulled out, and that you would also expect to see uh, interest rates climbing higher, at least on the long end. Mm-hmm. But keep in mind, though, with the balance, what they're planning to do is they're going to take a very very slow time. So um, so the impact, yes, it could it you know. Basically, when the when the Fed starts to tighten monetary policy, it does dampen, you could say, economic activity, and probably might spook the market a little bit. But I think the market probably already has this priced in, so that's why I'm not expecting to see too much of a reaction. And oftentimes, too, and I'd say is you see during tightening cycles, and you can argue this is a, you know part of tightening is early on, that's always a positive for the stock market because it usually happens when the economy is starting to show more signs of life, whether that's the case. Uh, yeah, you, I, you I already really. knew where you were going, you know, Paul. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've sat next to you long enough. But whether, you know, whether how strong the economy is at this, you know, in this sort of well, and period that, that's is, a, is a question. A, a legitimate question. You know, like they're doing this not because the economy is so good and they got to cool things off because the economy is going to overheat. The economy is clearly not overheating. Maybe I'm overheating a little bit, but the economy is not overheating. Uh, they're doing this because they have four and a half trillion dollars sitting on the balance sheet, and that, that just is not—they're not comfortable with that. They never wanted it to be that in the first place, really. And I'm—I'm I'm wondering that if they don't, my, one of my—I wonder if market concerns would be that if they don't announce the normalization of the, of the balance sheet as they've been telegraphing for so long, mm. markets might say, "Hmm, maybe something is wrong with the economy that we don't know about." Sure, right. And that might actually be a spook. And it's also the global economy, too, is showing around the world is showing more strength. But in terms of the interest rates and uh, this one more rate hike this year and the inflation picture, uh, they've got time. They've got say they announced the balance sheet normalization start as expected. They've got three more months to see where inflation goes Mm -hmm. uh, to figure out if they want to go one more time. They have plenty of time to signal one way or the other. Uh, So you might see them trying to take somewhat of a neutral stance, uh, both in the statement, in their projections and in uh, what Jan Yellen says at her press conference. Uh, But at the same time, and we're going to be talking about this a lot, I think, over the next few months, everything's going to be distorted by the hurricanes. We saw this spiking gasoline prices. That is going to mean that headline inflation is going to be uh, pretty, pretty strong in September. Um, it was. It meant that headline inflation was a little stronger than it would have yeah. been otherwise in August, and so the, a lot of people at the Fed, including Daniel, have been talking about these transitory factors pushing down on inflation: cell phone prices, things like that. Now they've got some transitory factors pushing up on inflation. So presumably they'll be trying to look through all this noise to see what the underlying trend is, but that's not going to be so easy, uh, given how much noise we expect from these storms. Mm. Beth Ann Bovino is senior economist at Standard and Poor's. Ben Lubsdorf is a Wall Street Journal economics reporter down in Washington, D.C. Thank you both for spending some time with us. We appreciate it. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And everyone, thank you, as always, for listening. We really do appreciate it. We really do appreciate your time, and we hope that we have made it valuable for you. We'll talk to you soon.